episode of Product Thinking. This week, we are talking about creating product principles, developing a framework for alignment and decision making. This week's episode and this week's newsletter is a premium one. So this podcast and this episode is a preview. If you're interested in the full newsletter and uh, the full portion of this, go over to productthinking.cc and subscribe. Of course, uh, you will get some good pieces here in this episode, and we will dive right into it. But again, don't forget to go over and check out productthinking.cc for the full newsletter and everything that I cover in talking about creating your product principles. So moving fast is very difficult. Moving fast as teams grow is even more difficult. With a million decisions to make each day, how can you ensure that everyone is making the right ones? A good vision and strategy will get you part of the way there, but what about the tiny trade-offs that happen day to day? By establishing principles and tenets for your teams and products, you can ensure everyone is aligned around the right priorities and the right frameworks without having to discuss every decision. But what are principles and how do we create them and why should we? Let's explore those ideas. But first off, the Macintosh history. I think this is a fascinating story. In his excellent biography of Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson gives the history leading up to the Macintosh. So Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak teamed up to create Apple in 1976. Their first product was the Apple One. The Apple One was a homebrew computer that was designed and hand-built by Wozniak. Uh, The next Apple product was the Apple II, aptly named. Jobs and Wozniak made the prototype in 1976, and it was first sold in 1977. It was a finished consumer device, unlike the Apple I, and launched Apple to new heights, according to Isaacson. Uh, Quote, the Apple II took the company from Jobs' garage to the pinnacle of a new industry. Its sales rose dramatically from 2,500 units in 1977 to 210,000 in 1981. So after the Apple II, Jobs was restless. He knew it wouldn't be a success forever. And he also recognized that it would always be seen as Wozniak's masterpiece. So he hoped that the successor of the Apple II could be his masterpiece. Unfortunately, the immediate successor of the Apple II, which was the Apple III, flopped. So Apple began working on the next successors. It began working on the Lisa, a more modern version of the Apple II with a graphical user interface pioneered by Xerox. It was a major undertaking for Apple, and they invested nearly $50 million in the project, a a massive sum at the time. Jobs, in his excitement for GUIs, tried to take over the daily management of the Lisa project, and it upset most of the other managers at Apple. Jobs eventually was ousted from the Lisa Group, and not allowed any control of that project, which many viewed, of course, as the next big thing for Apple. So he took complete control of the Macintosh project, which had begun as a Skunkworks product to develop a lower-cost machine. 
So some guiding ideas for the Macintosh jobs shifted the focus of the Macintosh team to compete directly with Felisa. He wanted a low-cost machine with a graphical user interface and, a, and an incredible design. As part of his management of the Macintosh group, Jobs instilled many key ideas in the team to guide their decision-making on the product. Some quotes that come from the book, Steve Jobs again, and the ideas. So first off, this idea, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Uh, quoting from the book. So that's our approach. Very simple. And we're really shooting for a museum of modern art quality. The way we're running the company, the product design, the advertising, it all comes down to this. Let's make it simple, really simple. Jobs continually emphasized for the Macintosh that everything needed to be simple. It became part of the ethos of the product and ultimately the ethos of Apple. So another idea that jobs instilled in the team and in the product. Intuitively obvious. Jobs wanted to make the Macintosh super intuitive for anyone to use. Quoting again, for example, he extolled the desktop metaphor he was creating for the Macintosh. People know how to deal with the desktop intuitively. If you walk into an office, there are papers on the desk. The one on top is the most important. People know how to switch priority. Part of the reason we model our computers on metaphors like the desktop is that we can leverage this experience people already have. So another idea he was in, instilling in the group, as beautiful as possible, even if it's inside the box. So quoting again, when you're a carpenter making a beautiful chest of drawers, you're not going to use a piece of plywood on the back even though it faces the wall and nobody will ever see it. You'll know it's there, so you're going to use a beautiful piece of wood on the back. For you to sleep well at night, the aesthetic, the quality, has to be carried all the way through. I love that. Jobs was influenced by his father in this regard, and I've always loved this idea, both as a woodworker myself and a technologist. So another key idea. Each detail is essential. As was characteristic of Jobs, he managed or micromanaged every detail of the product, including the packaging, much to the chagrin of many people involved. Quoting again, from Mike Makula, he had learned the importance of packaging and presentation. People do judge a book by its cover. So for the box of the Macintosh, Jobs chose a full color design and kept trying to make it look better. He got the guys to redo it 50 times, recalled Elaine Rossman. Uh, another key idea that Jobs was constantly instilling in the Macintosh group, the idea of don't compromise. He would continually tell his team that they would not compromise. You know, often we feel like compromises are part of our job, but that wasn't how he viewed the development of the Macintosh. Quoting again, most technology teams made trade-offs. The Mac, on the other hand, would end up being as insanely great as Jobs and his acolytes could possibly make it. Another key idea, better to miss than turn out the wrong thing. Like the idea that we just talked about of not compromising, Jobs would tell his team that he would rather miss a date or a deadline than ship the wrong thing. And he had significant money on the line. He had a $5,000 bet with the Lisa team that he would ship the Macintosh first 
And he ended up losing that bet and paid up. But it was more important to ship the right thing. Quoting again, a different type of project manager willing to make some trade-offs might try to lock in the dates after which no changes could be made, not jobs. He displayed another maxim. It's not done until it ships. Uh, so that's super interesting. Uh, finally, uh, better to be a pirate than join the Navy. I think this one is really interesting. Quoting again from the book, he wanted to instill a rebel spirit in his team to have them behave like swashbucklers who were proud of their work, but willing to commandeer from others. He meant, let's have a renegade feeling to our group. We can move fast. We can get things done. So all of these ideas, these maxims, these quotes uh, were principles that Steve Jobs was constantly reiterating. He was working to instill in his team, in the Macintosh group, as they were going through and creating this new product so that they could do it in a way that aligned with his vision for what they were doing and that they could use them to make decisions as they went. Uh, kind of like you were talking about at the end, better to be a pirate than join the Navy, a maxim or a principle that they were using in order to instill this idea of having a renegade feeling and being able to move fast to get things done. So what are principles? You know, we can see that Steve Jobs established a number of principles for his teams working on the Macintosh. But what are principles? And, and why are they so important? You know, I view them as a number of different things, which I cover more in depth in the rest of my article, which, which you can find, again, at productthinking.cc, where we dive into that, where we reference some interesting uh, principles and codes, uh, pulling from things like the pirate code from Pirates of Carrot. Pirates of the Caribbean, from other things like summiting Mount Everest, and some examples from other companies such as Slack, Box, and Pay.com, and then how we can put uh, principles and tenants into practice in our own teams. So check that out. Again, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, again, you can find out more at productthinking.cc. And don't forget to uh, go there, subscribe to the newsletter, and follow or subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, you can find out more on Twitter at product, at product thinking, just one T. And follow me as well at Kyle Larry Evans. And we'll talk again soon.